You are listening to the Pursuit Church Essay Podcast. We are a group of imperfect, real people on a mission to pursue God and love people. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Good to see everybody this morning. How y'all doing? All right, so it's the opening of the NFL season. How many people are excited about that? Anybody excited about football in here? Oh, okay, we, oh, yeah, we got one. Nick, I used was to excited. be, but not anymore. Yeah, we used to be excited when the My Texans were good, but now they are not. So it is what it is. But, uh, man, it's, it's good to see y'all. Some of you we haven't seen in a while. It's good to see old friends, new, new man, friends, good, good friends, fresh faces. Uh, fresh faces. <laughs> love you guys. Love you guys. Hey, so listen, we've been in a series uh, for these last three weeks, and today we're wrapping it up. A series called Broken to Be a Blessing. So, you know, in the first week of the series, we saw how God, even in our brokenness, still has plans, still has dreams for us. And that he brings us out of that brokenness and still promises us that hope in a future. And then in week two, we started to look at the restoration process, right? What that starts to look like. And in there, we saw that actually our brokenness, when we give it to God and let him deal with it, can actually help us draw closer to him, right, in that process. And then last week, we had a just, just a, a powerful word uh, about increasing our capacity, right? About letting God increase our capacity, one, so that he could fill us with more, so that we could be blessed, but also so that that could flow into others, right? So that that blessing that he's putting in us is designed to actually flow into other people's lives as well. And so here in this final week, we want to share about how reaching others, how God can reach others through our brokenness, actually how God can reach others through our brokenness. You know, part of our vision here at Pursuit Church is to be able to connect to Jesus, right? We want to connect to Jesus. We need to connect to Jesus. But we also need to and want to help others connect to Jesus, right? It's not just about us. And sometimes that can happen. People can get connected to Jesus through us. You know, God created relationships. Relationships were God's idea, right? They were actually, from the beginning, relationship has been important in God's uh, plan. And, you know, he didn't have to create us. He didn't have to. He didn't need mankind, but actually God wanted us. Isn't it nice to be wanted? Isn't it nice to be wanted? Wow, what a, what a, what a beautiful father that wanted us so much that he created us. He created us so that we could be the object of his love and affection to enjoy the beauty of his creation. He made us in his image so that we would be able to return love to him because the word tells us God, his essence is love. And so he created us in that love so that we could return love to him. What a beautiful image. You know, God, uh, love is why God created us in his image and love is how we connect to Jesus. Love is also how we reach others and how we help them to get connected to Jesus. And we're going to look at a beautiful story today in Luke chapter 17. And it tells of Jesus' love and compassion for us and for humanity. The story reminds us that in our brokenness and painful experiences, we're actually meant to be healed by Jesus. We're actually meant to be healed so that we can not only receive healing, but then we can share that with other people. 
And through that sharing process, they too then have the opportunity to connect to the king of the universe, (laughs) to the savior of this world. Now let's stand for the reading of that word, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 17 today. Those of you that have your Bibles, feel free to open those. If not, we'll have it on the screen. We're going to be reading verses 11 through 19, and this is what it says. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God again in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten of them cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. You may be seated. So here we have Jesus and his disciples. They're walking along on their way to Jerusalem. And he hears ten lepers calling out to him. Now, these guys were calling out in desperation. They weren't just saying, hey, Jesus, what's up? No, they were calling out in desperation. They were sick, they were broken, and they needed healing. So they were calling out to the healer. But what's interesting is that Jesus was interruptible. If you look at all the miracle stories in the New Testament, Jesus was on his way to do something. He was doing something. He was either traveling or he was in the middle of something, but he interrupted. He was interruptible. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm so thankful that Jesus is interruptible. Amen. (laughs) He was interruptible on that night that I threw myself down at the altar, a broken, busted, abused, used, pitiful woman on a path of destruction. Jesus was interruptible that night when I cried out to him and he answered me and he saved me. And I'm so grateful that Jesus is interruptible. Thank you, Lord. You know, Jesus is, and he's always been moved by the broken, the lost, and the hurting. It's who he is. So when he heard these 10 lepers, these 10 men crying out in desperation, these broken and hurting men, he was moved. He was moved with compassion and healed them. So there's four specific things that we want to share with you today that are in the story. And the first one is boldness gets God's attention. Oh, come on. Boldness. These men were desperate. They had no options. You know, leprosy was a death sentence. It was incurable. It was terminal. They had no other options. And I'm sure that they had done everything they could to try to find relief or to try to get healed. They were, their lives were basically in shambles. So they called out to the healer. They had just enough bold faith to cry out to the healer, the one they had heard could heal. They'd heard the stories of Jesus healing miraculously. So they took a leap of faith and they cried out to him. And you know, the times that we live in right now, these are some tough times when you think about it. And I don't want to get all negative Nancy on you, but, but there's a lot of things going on in the world we live in. And sometimes, you know, we just try to find comfort in a lot of different things, Right. But I'll tell you one thing, there's no comfort like the peace and the joy and the love of God. That's good. Come on. That's good. But get this. Let me take a water break real quick. Yeah. 
the times we live in now, they're no different than the times that these 10 lepers were living in. That's right. Think about it. These lepers were living in a time of war, of famine, racial and social injustice, healthcare, educational deficits. These were the times these men were living in. That's not unlike where we are now. And they knew who the healer was. And perhaps they probably tried anything and everything they could to find relief. But they knew that they needed something else, clearly, because they were broken and they were sick. And they were alone. They were ostracized. So they boldly, something in them, boldly stepped up and cried out to God, to Jesus, to have mercy on them. So good. That's good. And you know, the Samaritans were a mixture of Jewish and pagan religion. But I know that maybe, maybe they just had to be remembering the words of the Torah in Deuteronomy 31.6, where it says, God is talking to them and God says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Wow. So when they called out to Jesus, he was moved into action. And, you know, there are people out there, y'all, that we have to reach, but we need to be bold enough to step out in faith and then let Jesus swing into action. Absolutely. And you notice at the end of that story, Jesus told the Samaritan, it was your faith that has healed you. So we want to talk for a minute uh, about this concept that, you know, it was they were healed as um, they stepped out in faith, right? All these lepers. So this is usually how it works, though, right, for most of us. You know, Jesus heals us as we walk it out, right? But it does require us to step out and then keep walking, right? Which is what these lepers were doing. Now, sometimes when you pray to God, he delivers right on the spot. God is certainly able to answer and perform miracles and do things on the spot. But most of the time, it doesn't work that way. Most of the time, we're healed as we go. We're healed as we walk. In other words, it requires us to keep faith and to continue to move forward. Now, these lepers had to have been tired. They were sick. They were outcasts from their own people, their families, their children, their lives. Literally, they were separated from everybody except their own community of lepers, right? And they had nothing to lose at this point. Think about it. They literally, have you ever reached a point in your life where you feel, I got nothing to lose? Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, when you've reached that point, you get pretty desperate, don't you? Well, I've got nothing to lose. I'm just going to cry out to the Lord. And that's what these leopards, they must have felt like. They had had nothing else to lose. I'm going to call out to God. Now, notice that they all had faith, though, right? They all had faith. Jesus referenced that all of them ended up being healed. Even the Samaritan had faith in God's mercy. And you know, sometimes our faith can help someone else's faith grow. Again, sometimes our faith can help somebody else's faith grow. Someone who may not even understand who God is can develop a faith-filled relationship with Jesus just because they saw your faith as you walked something out, as you walked out your healing and they saw that. People identify with that. They, they can develop a faith in God simply in the beginning because of what they see in your life. Now, it doesn't take a whole lot of faith either, by the way. Um, 
the Bible says in Matthew chapter 17, 20, uh, excuse me, chapter 17, verse 20, if we have just a little faith, we can actually move mountains, right? We can actually move mountains is, is, is what Jesus told us. With just a little bit of faith, he called it the size of a mustard seed, right? With just that size. So it doesn't take this gigantic amount of faith, but it does take the faith to take one step, right? Which is, which is what these lepers were doing. These 10 men wanted healing, and they had just enough faith to cry out to Jesus. They knew that there was something in Jesus. They knew that there was something. You know, faith in God starts the process of healing in our lives. And this is what these lepers knew that we sometimes forget. Okay, faith in God starts the process of healing. In fact, one time Jesus said, I actually can't do a lot of healing here in this city because everybody's lacking faith. This is Jesus, you know. He's, he's sitting there trying to heal people, and he makes the observation, there's not much I'm going to be able to do here because y'all don't have faith, right? So faith and healing are interconnected. They're important, okay? Notice I said also that this is a process. That's how God works. That's how God works. Look at creation. A seed is planted but there's a process for it to grow. There's a process for growth to happen before it becomes some large tree or a bush. It started as a seed, but then there's a process. Also, our physical body works this way. You know, last time maybe you had a, a cut on your hand or a cut somewhere on your body. What did you do? You got all the debris out of it, right? You cleaned it up. You put some hydrogen peroxide. Where's our PA over here? I mean, whatever, I mean, whatever you did to, to treat that wound and then you Jesus juice. <laughs> it's Jesus juice. And then you put a bandage on it and eventually it healed up, but it was a process in that healing, right? There was a process in that healing. And so it's a process that we have to take some steps first, right? Usually we have to take some kind of step first, just like it did with these leopards, lepers, as we continue to walk in faith, our healing begins to manifest as we stay in step with God. And God's so good that in that process, even though we may not see immediate results, we may not see an immediate uh, light at the end of the tunnel, God is so good about encouraging us in that process, giving us hope and showing us maybe little changes, incremental parts of the healing, right? You know, it's kind of the way it was um, with me in January of this year. Most of y'all know I had um, spine surgery on my neck. And, um, you know, it was really hard. The first, the first few weeks were agonizing. I was in a tremendous amount of pain. And my mind had not really connected with my body yet. And I wanted to do things that I had been doing before, but I couldn't. You know, I was, I was in a lot of pain. I could barely move. He had to help me turn over in bed. It was, it was just awful. And, and I remember the doctor told me, you got to walk, you know, you have to walk. And I'm like, walk, how am I going to walk? My legs don't move. Right? Like I, my muscles were, and to this day they're getting stronger, but they're still a little shaky. And so I had, he told me I'm walk, I have to walk. And, and I, I told Bob, I said, I can't walk. He says, yeah, you're going to walk. And so he was encouraging me to get up. And at first I did, I took a few little steps 
you know, from the bed to maybe the living room. And then um, maybe the next day I would walk some more and, and it was so painful, y'all. And I, I thought to myself, I remember the words of the surgeon and he said, if you don't walk, then you are going to probably impair your recovery. You may be in constant pain the rest of your life and you ne may never fully recover your mobility. So I was like, okay, Jesus, we're going to walk. Amen. So me and Jesus walked, and that's how it was. I had to pray. I had to cry out to him just to take a few steps. Jesus, get me across this floor. I was afraid, y'all. I was afraid of falling. I had been told all throughout, you know, before I had the surgery, you can't fall. If you fall, you can be paralyzed because that's in what bad shape my spine was in. And so I, I was afraid. I was afraid I was going to fall. And I have preached to so many of the people in this room right now saying, you have not been given a spirit of fear. Amen. But I was having to preach to myself in those moments because I knew that Jesus was the one who gave me power. He gave me courage. He gave me strength. And he was the one that helped me walk. And I would see progress. That's another thing. As I, as I walked, and this man pushing me, babe, it's time to walk. It's time to get up. I would walk and I would go a little further and each day it was a little further. And before I knew it, I was walking in circles around the cul-de-sac. I mean, that's a, all that know where I live. It's a long walk from the kitchen, from the bed to the cul-de-sac. It's a pretty good beat. And so anyway, I walked, but God showed me little steps of progress because the more I walked, the more I saw my legs growing stronger and the, the pain in my neck began to decrease. I could see progress. And, you know, this is what God does. He gives us encouragement as we're walking into our healing. Even when we don't see progress or we don't even want to continue to walk into our healing out of our brokenness and pain, God encourages us. And, you know, this is what faith is all about, just believing that God can and he will. And I know that these 10 lepers, they didn't question. They had faith. They didn't question Jesus. When he said go, they went. They were obedient. And I bet you, as they went along the way, that they were encouraged because they probably, no, I know they did, saw their skin begin to turn yeah, from that ashen really white back to flesh color. Yes. That had to encourage them to continue to walk, right? And if you notice in verse 14, Jesus tells them, go and show the priests your healing. Wow, go and show. Yeah. You know, God wants his power to be recognized and put on display for right. others to see. Yeah. He wants that. You know, letting others see God working in your life is important. Letting God see, or letting others see God work in our lives is yeah. important. You know, the Jewish law back then, based on Leviticus chapter 13, declared that it was the priest's job to actually examine the skin. This is why Jesus was sending them to the priest. He was honoring this actual tradition, but he's putting a little spin on it. Okay, we'll talk about that. So he would say, go see the priest, and by the time you get there, you're going to be healed, right? Because the priest was the determining person that was supposed to observe and make sure that that leprosy had actually been cured. In fact, if the priest didn't declare you cured, you weren't cured, right? You weren't, you weren't good. And so there were very specific criteria that the priest used in order to do that. There was no guessing involved because, you see, leprosy was a death sentence, it was eventually going to kill you, okay? There was no uh, medicinal cure, and it was highly contagious. It was a highly contagious thing. Besides it being a progressive disease, which would eventually eat away at your body, then your organs, your toes, you know, all these things it would do. In addition to that, it also carried a stigma with it. 
carried a stigma with it. Actually, many people in the Old Testament viewed it as a sign of sin, actually, is, is the stigma, stigma that it carried with it, besides being an outcast, right? And if you had leprosy, you were not allowed around anybody else other than other lepers. They had these lepers' colonies, literally, which we find in this story. This meant that these men couldn't go to church. They couldn't go to temple. They, couldn't, they could not in any way associate with anybody else other than themselves. Now, you can just imagine this. Um, they were dying. They were dying this, this slow death. And their family couldn't be with them, right? They, they couldn't even help them through this process. They could only see them from a distance. And here are these 10 men who are sick physically, but also spiritually and emotionally. Just imagine the, the toll this was taking on them, not just physically, but this separation, what it was doing to their spirit, to their emotions. And yet Jesus was about to perform a mighty miracle that would change their lives forever. That would change their lives forever. And he tells them, go and show the priests. Go and show the priests. Psalm 79.9 says, help us, O God, of our salvation for the glory of your name. Deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. And Psalm 106.8 says this, Yet he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. Wow. Jesus gave this commandment to go and show the priest because he wanted to make sure that others would see the majesty and the power of God. That's the reason he said Jesus was the healer. He already knew they were going to be healed, but he wanted others to see his father's majesty and power. That's why he said, go see the priest. And that same mandate still applies to us today. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. You know, we ask God to heal us, to help us, um, to get us through situations, and he does. But that's not just for us. That's so that we can draw others to him. So good. Remember, and this is something that we forget sometimes, just remember that God loves all of mankind. He loves all of humanity. He loves you. He loves me. And he loves those people that we don't love. Think about that. He loves humanity. He created humanity. But he also created a savior for all of mankind. Jesus was sent to reconcile all of us to God. So the best way that we can help others connect to God is to let them see us walk out our faith during that healing That's so process. Good. That's good. You know, as Christians, sometimes we tend to get it a little wrong. We tend to think that, you know, we're supposed to dress a certain way, talk a certain way, act a certain way, and do certain things, you know, on public display so that we can be holy, right? And I know that some of that comes from a really good intention and really good hearts, right? Like we want to give, you know, we want to display ourselves well for Jesus. We want to represent Jesus well. I get that. But that's not necessarily all that being a Christian is about, God is always, always, always looking at our hearts. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't, you know, watch what we say and how we dress. Absolutely. We need to portray ourselves or carry ourselves in a manner worthy of the blood of Jesus that was shed Amen. over That's our good. lives. Absolutely. We need to honor that. But I'm just saying we cannot forget that God is looking at our hearts. When we become changed by Jesus, we're not the same. 
You know, we can speak all the Christianese we want. And if you don't know what that means, let me give you a little bit example of that. So here's a regular guy. He comes up to a Christian guy and he says, hey, man, how's it going? What's up? The Christian guy goes, oh, man, I am blessed and highly favored. The joy of the Lord is my strength and no weapon formed against me today is going to prosper. Come on now. Anybody hear that before? I mean... The guy was just asking how he's doing. He's just like saying, hey, what's up? You don't need to go into all that all the time. I mean, do we really need to do that? Do we really need to do that all the time with random people every single minute of the day? That's what I'm talking about with Christianese. It's not about that. That's weird. And we can't be weird if we're going to reach the world. We, we need to be reachable and relatable. Come on, that's, that, that's tweetable. We can't be weird and reach the world. I like that. We can't. But at the same time, we can't go to the other end of the spectrum. So don't think I'm saying that we need to act like the world. Because I'm going to tell you right now, when you've been bought and paid for by the high price of the blood of Jesus Christ, we are not the Come same. Come on, give that up right there. That's, we are that's good. We not the same. We cannot be comfortable with what the world does. We're not comfortable with what the world does. For example, you're a Christian, right? You go back to the club. That doesn't even feel right. It it doesn't feel right. You're like, why am I here? Because we're not of the world anymore. John 15, 19 says that Jesus called us out of the world, so we no longer belong to it. We are different. We are not of this world. So we don't think the way the world does. We don't process things the way the world does. We don't react the way the world around us does because we're not of the world. But we are in the world. We are here. So we have to be able to reach those around us. And I'm going to tell you right now, the best way to reach the broken, the lost, and the hurting that are all around us is to just be real. Yeah, be honest so with what God is doing in your life in that moment. Christians are not called to be perfect. Come on. Never, ever are we called to be perfect. Because if we're perfect, we're on the other side already. Because on this side of heaven, no one is ever going to be perfect. But we need to be perfectly willing to allow God to work some stuff out through us so that we can reach others for him. That's good. And you know, the other thing is we can't stay holed up in some bunker somewhere while we're going through the healing process because we're afraid to let others see us make mistakes. Don't even go there. That's a path down legalism that you don't want to be on. It's okay to have some wounds and still walk out your healing. It's okay to walk it out with others watching you. Just keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking into your wholeness, into your healing. Let others see the power of God working through you as you walk it out. And maybe, just maybe, they will want and hunger for the very God that you serve. Y'all want you to remember something. This is really important. People may admire you for your strengths, but they connect with you in your weakness. That's really good. I want you to remember that. People may admire you for your strengths, but they will connect with you in your weakness. That's important. You know, the last thing we want to talk about is this concept of gratefulness. You know, gratefulness is attractional. Gratefulness is attractional. If you notice in our story, Jesus noticed the one that came back and that was grateful. He was attracted to him. He was attracted to the Samaritan's thankful heart. He was the one that returned to give Jesus thanks for his healing. And Jesus also noticed that, the only, that he was the only leper to come back and that he was also a Samaritan. He was just a regular guy who had experienced a supernatural healing, and he recognized it and was grateful for it. 
You know, there's other examples of people in the Bible being healed of leprosy, and in every single case, God was the one who healed them. In other words, they couldn't do it on their own. They couldn't just go to some clinic. They couldn't just, you know, uh, pray a prayer and say, hey, heal. No, in every case of leprosy being healed in the Bible, God directly healed them, okay? Wow. Now, this healing of the lepers uh, was an untreatable terminal illness, right? So you'd think that all of them would have expressed gratitude, right? That's what Jesus asked. Hey, where's the other nine, right? I healed all of y'all, and yet they didn't come. It was this man who really didn't know God all that well that actually recognized what really just happened, right? He was the one that recognized the supernatural healing that he had just received, and he saw the great love that Jesus had for him to heal him, a Samaritan. Because remember, this Samaritan was doubly uh, outcast. Not only was he a leper, but he was a Samaritan who were an outcast people in and of themselves. This, this person who expressed the gratitude was doubly excluded from, from society, right? Doubly excluded. And yet he's the one who fell down on his face to thank and praise Jesus, his healer. He knew that his life would never be the same. Think about that. His life was radically changed. Yeah. That's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus does. And guess what? Your life at some point has radically been changed. Come on. Come on. All of us, the, when, when we accepted Jesus as our Savior, Second Corinthians says that we became a new creation. Right? Our life changed forever. And that's what we see in this story. This Samaritan's life was changed forever. And he walked away with a grateful and a thankful heart. You know, the most grateful people I know, the most grateful Christians I know, are those who recognize what God has done for them and appreciate it, right? And thank him for it. When we live our lives with a grateful heart for all that God has done for us, if nothing else, from saving us from an eternity bound in our sin, right? If that one thing is all we're thankful for, that's enough, right? But look at all the other things God uh, saves us from. When people see that, that's attractional. When people see our gratitude for what God's done in our life, not only does Jesus be attracted by it, but other people see that, and it's attractional to them as well. When you live your life out of a grateful heart, it's different. You live different. And, you know, you don't have to be a street preacher. And honestly, some of those are really annoying. Like they're screaming and hollering and shouting and people are thinking, y'all are so weird. That's not what we're supposed to be. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have all the answers. You just need to be grateful. God sees our thankfulness. He sees your heart and he sees how much you love him when you live your life out from a grateful heart. Psalm 9-1 tells us, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Y'all, this is King David and all his messiness, all his drama, all his stuff. He's spreading the news of the love of God with a thankful heart. He's giving God thanks and praise. Paul reminds us in Colossians 2, 6 through 7, Therefore, as you received Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, a
abounding in thankfulness. When God has touched your life, you're not the same. You can't stay the same when you receive Jesus into your heart. That's impossible. You know, we've been watching this series called The Chosen, and I don't know if any of you are familiar with it, but it's basically a, a story of Jesus and his disciples and their walk on, on earth. And one of my favorite lines from that series is when, I don't know which one of them said it, but um, it might have been Peter. He says, what you think you know doesn't matter. We do things differently because of Jesus. So good. When Jesus comes into our, your life, you don't see people like you used to see them. You love people, and you pay attention to people that you would have never loved or paid attention to before. It's that love that he shares, that he imparts in our hearts when we allow him to come in. We love from a grateful heart that's been forgiven of so much. You know, there was a time in my life when I was really far from God. I was living a hard, rough life. I got married very young to a horribly abusive man. He would beat me all the time. And, and y'all, back then in the day, I was a scrapper, and he would beat me down. Oh, I hate to get emotional. <laughs> anyway, he beat me within inches of my life. He tried to kill me, and that's when I left. I was pregnant, and I left. So here I am, 23, just had a baby, I'm divorced, and I find another husband, right? And he seemed like a good guy. He went, we went to the same Catholic church, Our Lady of San Juan. And, um, you know, I knew his family. I, my friend of mine, my uh, daughter's madrina, was real familiar with the family. I thought he was a good guy. So we get married, and he turns out to be a hardcore alcoholic. And, you know, it was when he put his hands on my child that I left. It was either that or kill him, so I figured I better leave. And I ended up with another divorce. And so there were a few boyfriends in between over the years, and one guy ended up hooking up with, and I thought he was perfect. I thought he was the one. He was, he was handsome, like that matters, right? He was handsome. He um, said all the right things. He you know, did all the right things. He treated me like a princess. It was just almost too good to be true, and it was. I found out that he was cheating on me the entire time we were together. So here I am, another failed relationship. So after 20 years of looking to men instead of looking to God, I decided one night, broken, abused, used, lost, hopeless, I couldn't figure this out. Something drew me to go to church that night. And I went down to Lakewood Church in Houston and um, I heard the message. I heard the message of God's love, his forgiveness. He wasn't judging me. He wasn't looking at me with a scarlet letter on my shirt. And in that moment, I gave my life back to him. I gave up control. I gave up everything that I thought I had together. I just released it all to him. I gave up that fight. I gave up that fight of trying to figure it out. You know, in that life I was living, I never had anybody as a friend who was a believer. All my friends were just club friends, right? We'd go to the club and hang out. They didn't know about God. They couldn't share God with me in a relatable way. But Jesus was ready for me. He was preparing a way for me to come back. That night, he led me to go to church. That was so random. But I know it was Jesus. He was calling me in. He was calling me back. 
And that's when he met me. In all my brokenness, in all my pitiful, lost stuff, he called me back. And I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that all the residuals from living that hard life just magically disappeared in the moment I gave my heart to him. But I am going to tell you this. All the anger for the years that I wasted looking for something that only Jesus had. All the anger for the years that I wasted with men who just used me and abused me and lied to me. The pain, the brokenness, the regrets, the shame, all the guilt. It just melted under the weight of that love that I felt in the moment. And Jesus said, I'm right here. I'm right here, baby girl. I see you and I'm not judging you. Come on in. And it's almost like I could feel him hugging me, y'all, in that moment. It was a release. All of my junk collapsed under the love of Jesus Christ. And you know, if you've been living your life your own way, and you know what I'm talking about, if you've been living your life your own way, trying to figure things out on your own, and you got some regret, some shame, some guilt, Jesus wants to take that. He will take that away. That's a promise. If you've been trying to figure things out and you just can't make things work and you're tired and you're weary, things seem hopeless and you don't have an answer, Jesus is here right now waiting to connect to you. All you got to do is pray this prayer with me. Let's all pray it together. Y'all pray after me. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, be merciful to me because of your faithful love and compassion. Be merciful to me because of your faithful love and compassion. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me. I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me. Take away my guilt, my shame, and regrets. Take away my guilt, my shame, and regrets. I believe that Jesus died for my sin. I believe that Jesus died for my sin. And I believe that he rose again from the dead. I believe he rose again. Today I ask you to come into my heart. Today I ask you to come into my heart. God, make me strong and ready to obey you. God, make me strong and ready to obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yes. Woo. You know, the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. So let's just give a clap of praise to God for hearts that have been given back to Jesus today. You know, making that decision to follow Jesus, much like the leper, is a life-changing decision. Your life will never be the same. So if anyone today made that decision for the first time, we celebrate with you. We love you. We're praying for you by name. Yes. And all of heaven is rejoicing right now in this moment. That's right. Come on. Yeah, come on. Yeah. All of heaven is rejoicing. If anyone here made that decision today, I want to invite you uh, after service we, we in the back uh, of the auditorium here. We have someone that would like to pray with you if you'd like, but we also have uh, some uh, a little booklet that we think will help uh, you in your walk. And some of you, maybe uh, you've already given your life to Christ, and today was just a, a reinforcement yeah. of that, right? Just, just, just another opportunity to declare, Lord, you're the Lord of my life. Yeah. I love you. Also, if anyone after service needs prayer for anything, we, we'll have some people in the back here. We'd love to pray with you about anything in your life that uh, we need to come in agreement with you about. Uh, and that God wants to honor. So we, we love you. I just want to say 
sometimes when we make a decision for Jesus, we'll start hearing that voice of the enemy that tells us, you didn't do anything today. Nothing really happened. It was just an emotional thing. Don't believe that lie. Right. That's right. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it with your heart, Jesus is your Savior. And something Amen. did happen. And the booklet that we have is just a simple little booklet that explains what happened and what your next steps are. And if you don't have a Bible, we'll give you a Bible. That's a Bible right. is God's weapon against the lies of the enemy. And it's That's so important right. that so we good. know what's in there. It's his love story for us. It's his guide to how we live our life out. So if you need one, right back corner of the auditorium, Julie's back there. She'll be happy to give you one. Amen. And now, Miss Belin, I think we have you coming up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that your word does not return void. God, we thank you that you are here. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads and guides us, God. We just thank you for who you are. Lord, I just pray a special blessing over this congregation, over everyone here, Father, that you will bless them and keep them, Lord. And I just pray that you will um, open up pathways for them to be a light for you, to point others to you, Father. Let the work of our hands be meaningful to draw others to you. Lord, use our hands and feet to reach others so that they can see you through us. We thank you for this word. We bless your holy name in the mighty name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. 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 If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at PursuitChurchSA.com give. Thank you for listening and remember to follow us to enjoy more messages like this.